0: the people in life are countless, so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Sidekicks side-quest, 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 and sidequests. Side-quest, 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 side-quest. side-quest, side-quest. 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 Episode ninety, Moose, the Dressmaker of the Wild. Welcome to Sidekicks and Side Quests, the Dungeons and Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwogi, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Matthew J. Hansen's table in the levitating platter. Mm-hmm. Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best, unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. Before I introduce my first guest, I'd like to go ahead and give a shout out to my first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of beard balms, game design, and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D, so get a can Apply it to your face and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch this brand, but Tony has collaborated and developed several other games that you can play this holiday season, including Repugnant, Eye Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, The Santicide Squad, and Brandstanding. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something on their website or going to TonyPlusOne.h.io, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So I would highly encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Discord, etc., in order to keep up with all the various projects that are being worked on, as well as upcoming interviews one-shots, and actual plays of some of these other awesome TTRPGs. And if you don't mind, please go to the website plusonexp.com, and when you see that box to put in an affiliate code to save money, type in Randolph when you're getting that beard bomb or that beard RPG for someone special this holiday season. You'll get some extra savings at no extra cost to you. Again, the code's Randolph at checkout on the website plusonexp.com. Well, we've got a wonderful guest for you today, and I will turn the microphone over and ask, hello, Mystery Contestant, would you care to introduce yourself, tell us who it is that you are, and what is it that you do?
1: Sure. My name is Matthew J. Hansen. I uh, have been in the gaming industry for a while. I've done a lot of freelancing, and I also uh, have my own game company called Sneak Attack Press. I wrote a game called Magical Kitties Save the Day, which is what it sounds like, (laughs) and published it first edition originally under my own game company, and it got picked up by Atlas Games for a second edition, and also do a lot of stuff for D&D, Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, and uh, recently, most recent project is called Graveyard of the Gods, which is set on the astral plane and there's a lot of dead gods floating out there as dead gods will do but people have been living on these people and monsters and lots of treasure and so the idea is it's different god islands that the heroes can explore and meet people and fight monsters and loot cool treasure so yeah that's somewhat what i've been working on
0: yeah, I was gonna say the Kickstarter on that I think is wrapped up by the time this recording will release, correct?
1: Yeah, it's wrapped up even by the time we're making the recording. <laughs> um, but we're on backer kit to pre-order and hopefully we'll be
0: out by the end of the year.
1: That's my goal.
0: Awesome. So I have to commend you as well because uh you are an individual who reached out to me to want to be on the show, which I always in the bumper at the very end of the show, I always leave that open invitation for anyone to reach out so i do have to say kudos to you for reaching out and wanting to uh you know be on sidekicks and sidequests i get a kick out of it and it gives me an opportunity to meet someone new in the community and uh you know get to strike up a, a congenial relationship so i i certainly want to thank you for that
1: oh yeah for sure i think i ran across you on twitter somehow uh just cruising the twitter and listened to a few episodes and sounded really fun and uh, yeah, I thought I'd come and give it a shot.
0: There we go. Well, of course, as you've listened to our episodes, we like to kind of tee up with an easy question first, but do you currently, or have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons before?
1: Yes, uh, I do currently, and I have been playing for like 30-ish years at this point. started back in the basic, the when it was like the red box with the big red dragon on the cover. That was my first intro, and... Went to AD&D, 2nd edition, 3rd edition, 4th edition, 5th edition, so.
0: Wow. Yes. So what's it been like you working your way through the editions? Like, has it been, you know, overall positive experience? Things you've liked in one edition versus another?
1: Yeah, I think it's been an overall positive. Um, I feel like, you know, it's been growth overall. Like, I definitely would not go back to 2nd edition. <laughs> um yeah, and I'm I'm playing 5e right now and loving it. And like, it's interesting though, because like half my party and not half party, half of my <laughs> player group are sort of veterans from the old days and half are new players. And so like, I'll drop in things like references to, you know, Vorpal Swords or Hands of Vecna and stuff like that. And half the group's like, oh yeah, man, Hand of Vecna and the other half are like,
0: Whose, whose hand? Right. Well, I was going to say, I mean, unless they're watching Stranger Things, which the Duffer brothers are, you know, incorporating a lot of the older uh, material. And so everyone's going online trying to read up on Vecna and and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> That's awesome, though. And, and the dynamic between the old school versus the new school. Pretty interesting when you, you know, hear the different schools talk to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I, I feel like I was kind of a new school player, even when, when it was old school, like I was very always interested in the plot and characters and stuff, which I feel like is the way that we've been going unless in the like the adversarial sort of thing that a lot of people ascribe to the old school, but I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like tournament play, you know, they had that back in the day, but I feel like it's kind of exaggerated, at least when I played, I don't
0: know. Well, very cool, very interesting stuff to learn. And uh, moving along with our personal interview section of the show, we ask about sidekicks and side quests. So the first one of these questions is: Who is your favorite sidekick or NPC character? Whether they're from an RPG, maybe a video game, piece of literature, film, television, etc. And why is this character your favorite sidekick or NPC?
1: Yeah, I. Have like I have trouble picking favorites. Uh, but one that jumped into my mind is uh from the old computer RPG Planescape Torment, the okay. character of Mort, who for those who have not played it, but you should, <laughs> uh, he's a floating skull who starts out with the, the main character. The main character is like cannot stay dead he can die but he always comes back and he loses his memory sometimes though so at the start of the game you've been alive for hundreds of years but you don't remember most of what you've done and you've got this sidekick who shows up who knows you from before named Mort who's a floating skull (laughs) and starts out seeming like a comic relief character but then there's there's some deeper stuff to him that you can learn as the game goes along and probably past the spoiler date, uh, but I will try not to spoil it anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the game is how old at this point? Yeah, it's like 20, 30 years old at this point, somewhere in there, I don't know.
1: But it was uh, very, came out when I was in college, I wanna say, so very formative in my my gaming history.
0: And then, of course, we like to ask about the side quests as well. So, what's been a favorite side quest of yours? Again, whether from RPG, video game, film, television, etc., and why is it your favorite?
1: Yeah, I'll I'll put in a couple. Okay, one was a game I ran uh, where the party spent most of their time fighting dragons, but decided to go on a side quest to explore this ancient university where there was supposed to be this really powerful artifact, uh, and they fought their way through a bunch of crazy stuff, including a living prismatic sphere, until they finally got the artifact, and it turned out to be the Hand of Vecna. So,
0: yep, had to figure out, what are we going to do with that? I guess I got to lop my hand off and put it on so we can fight these dragons, I guess. I mean,
1: clearly, clearly, you can't just leave it hanging around, I mean... Yeah, some evil person can
0: find it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, evil person. (laughs) And then something that more people might relate to, though, again, from back in the day, uh, Final Fantasy IX, all of the Chocobos, all of the Chocobo quests, I want to say, were great. Uh, But my personal favorite is the Final Fantasy IX Chocobo quest. You get a Chocobo and you upgrade it by, like, playing hot and cold and finding magic items. and It's a good time.
0: I know nothing about the Final Fantasy series, but those are like the giant chickens that you can ride, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Could say they're more like terror birds, but chickens works. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or I mean, just a feathered velociraptor, maybe if they were, yeah. you know, may- maybe they're a little more friendly than a standard velociraptor. Hopefully. 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 All right. And then we like to round out the personal interview section with the question of what are you passionate about and why?
1: yeah I mean right now like I had my second kid almost five months ago so my kids are a big focus I've got a four-year-old and a almost five-month-old and just watching them grow up has been really exciting and really fulfilling and yeah that that has been a big focus of my life and plus like when you've got two kids and one of and they're both you know four and five months and not in school and all of that. That's takes up a lot of the time for, for the rest of things.
0: Great answer. I'm glad to be in a good company, fellow dad, you know, trying to just be a good dad and, you know, be there for your kids. So, you know, I commend you and I want to lend you my dad's support.
1: Yes. And I, uh, lend you my dad's support as well.
0: I feel strengthened my brother. (laughs) All right. Well, great answers. Great learning more about my guests that now I think it's time to head into a segment that I like to call NPC Creation. NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience and our patrons from Patreon. Now is the time to give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey and my mom and dad, we say cheers. Again, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. Katie and my parents are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons, which means they get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables here at NPC Creation, which we might get to hear their responses used today. So if you want more information and you want to join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, go to the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to patreon.com forward slash Sidekicks and side quests to find out more about our three tiers one, two, four dollars a month and help us to expand our operations at the levitating platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. So, now is the part of the show where we do some creating of NPCs. So, before we started rolling, you said that you wanted to roll the dice and randomly generate a character. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes, excellent. Okay. So whether you have dice at the ready physically or virtually, the first question we like to ask on this show is what is the name of our character? And we determine that randomly by rolling a D 20. All right. Got an eight. Eight. Okay. Your answer was submitted by previous guest, Claire Sullivan Moose M M O O S E Moose. Okay. We're off to a winning start. The next question we have here is what is going to be the ancestry of our character? And we do this by rolling two D10s or a D100. Okay. Uh, 19. 19 as I scroll up the list. Ah, wow. Okay, Moose is a human. So just like you literally rolled the one number out of 100. (laughs) That's just human. So Moose the human. Okay. And then uh, let's see. The next thing we roll for is what is the job or role in society for moose let's roll a d10 just a straight d10 okay. 10 10 okay your answer was submitted by previous guest brianna jean dressmaker so moose is a bit of a, a tailor seamstress makes dresses okay mm-hmm. And then the final thing we'll roll before we take a slight pause in the dice rolling is what is the age range of our character? Uh, We'll roll a D8 to determine that. All right. Eight. Immortal. Okay, so we have an immortal dressmaker named Moose that is a human. So now that we have these key details in mind, describe the physical appearance of Moose. So when you hear Moose, human, dressmaker, immortal, what are you imagining?
1: Yeah. Um, so my first question is like, why is this guy immortal? Cause you know, most humans are not true. Um, and I like the idea that like some powerful fae lord like came by his shop one day, got a dress liked it so much that they're like, you are my dressmaker for all of eternity. So guess what? I'm making you immortal. And also, you know, you're basically my slave and have to just make dresses for me and the fairy court. And, you know, maybe like adventurers who come to visit the fairy court, uh, honored guests of the fairy, that sort of thing. So I think that that is a starting point.
0: Okay, so Moose is in the mundane world and one of these arch archfey fairy court members came to the mortal realm and then was so impressed by the dress maker that they decided to just you know grant immortality and so moose still resides in the the mortal plane or was moose absconded and brought to the feywild i think i think absconded probably mm, so kind of like a brigadoon situation but like instead of like leaving brigadoon just like remained in brigadoon forever i suppose not that i have actually watched that movie or seen that stage play and musical but i just know that's like the big thing about brigadoon is like oh you go to this land and you never age but then if you leave you can never go there again or
1: something. yeah fun fact i was actually in a production of brigadoon in college so oh there you go did i get it right did i get it mostly right Mostly right. I mean, they like they don't age because like only a day passes for them in Brigadoon for like, I forget the timescale. Is it like 100 years or something like that? Okay. Yeah, but it is like 100 years go by and it's one day for them. So they've basically not aged.
0: Oh, well, that could definitely very well explain the immortality thing because now that Moose has ended up in the Feywild, and with time being a different concept in the Feywild, it's like, for all intents and purposes, it's like, yeah, he is immortal because he's been stuck in the Feywild and there might be detrimental consequences if he somehow ends up back in the mortal realm, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. And then as far as like a physical description of Moose, like what are you picturing?
1: <sighs> so, okay. Moose obviously suggests an animal called the moose
0: mm-hmm. and the
1: question is like was the character named because they look like a moose or was it just like some random was it they were born a baby and their parents thought moose was a good name or is it something that like the fae gave them that name um, or is it a
0: nickname maybe
1: yeah I don't know. That's... uh, I'm thinking about... So, like, that segues into, like... If they look like a moose, that's an obvious, like, tall and...
0: Lanky, bony, knobby knees or something. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we... Why don't we go with that? Like,
1: it's a nickname... Okay, so now I'm imagining, like, a kind of ugly duckling scenario. Or not ugly duckling, just people being jerks. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think we gave a gender but like let's give let's make moose a woman and like okay. she was like big and gangly and like all the other kids made fun of her and she called her Moose. she's like oh you guys jerks i'm gonna go do my dress making mm-hmm. and got really great at it
0: and you know then the fairies then David Bowie, the Fairy Queen, showed up and was like, "Ah, yes, the dressmaker." Yep, and like
1: now she's been in the fairy realm so long that she's forgotten her real name,
0: and she but only remembers, remembers moose. Oh, okay,
1: interesting. Um, and like, as in fairyland, like that's not an insult at all. Like that's pretty, that's cool. Your moose, awesome. We mm. like mooses here.
0: You know. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they commend her ability in dressmaking. They're just impressed with her creativity and her skill.
1: Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe she can style her hair sometimes in a sort of antler-like fashion.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, I suppose being in the Feywald, yeah, there's probably powerful hair gel or, or some sort of contraption or apparatus she can use to help style her hair in that way. Okay, so she probably has, like, long hair, too, to be able to pull that off.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i
0: feel like that's the formal hairstyle maybe if she doesn't feel like doing all the work does she have like uh like some sort of uh headdress piece that she wears that like imitates it or something
1: yeah possibly i think maybe her like fairy lord really likes it like she's less like into the headdress but you know when she's in court the uh the queen demands it that sort of thing
0: All right. And if we had to describe Moose with three adjectives, what three adjectives would you use? Hmm.
1: So I think she is a perfectionist. I think she is also like resentful. And I think she is like aspiring. Uh, Like I'm, I'm thinking like she wants, something more for herself but she doesn't quite know what it is or how to get it and i don't know how to and i'm trying to think of how to condense that down into just like
0: longing or wishful or wistful
1: yeah i think i think longing or or wistful is good yeah
0: now we get to go back to some dice rolling so of course our npc characters have something cool So what is going to be a particular item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept uh, that Moose would ascribe to? So this is a combination where you roll a D4 and then a D6. So uh, let's go ahead and give those a roll. All right.
1: The D4, I got a 3, and the D6, I got a 4.
0: A 3 on the D4 means a secret, and then a 4 would provide an answer from previous guest Firewriter. They are secretly very ill and don't know why. Mm. Thoughts on that? Interesting. So
1: I think that they're, yeah, I think that's interesting. I think like that could be a side effect of the Feywild. Mm. Um, Or it could be like they're ill just like naturally, like they have, you know, anemia or something.
0: Well, we were describing a very tall and lanky individual. I'm wondering if it's like in our real world, there's a medical syndrome called Marfan syndrome. And I believe individuals like President Abraham Lincoln had it. So maybe, possibly, if a dungeon master wants to kind of go that more precise medical route or just leave it very vague as sort of like, oh, yes, uh, Moose is secretly very ill and doesn't know why she's ill. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, And I'm, I'm, so I'm debating between the Feywild is making her ill or the Feywild, she was ill beforehand.
0: And bringing her into the Feywild has kind of stayed that off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I like that. And like, you know, because we need to get heroes involved. I think that there is like, she thinks that there's a cure in Feywild. That is something that is whatever it is, it's beyond her capabilities, but you know, maybe not beyond the capabilities of our plucky adventurers.
0: Well, of course, our characters all come with a side quest on this show. So, what's going to be a particular quest uh, that Moose would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? If you want to roll the last dice, that would be a D12. Um, if you're inspired, you could kind of think up one of your own, or if you want to like roll and then, you know, use that as a template to spin your own side quest, you know, whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Let's give it a roll. Okay. 12. 12. Okay. Your answer was provided by previous guest, Mike Bradford, regale them with a worthy tale. So is that something that you think Moose would be interested or willing to offer as a side quest?
1: So like, I like the idea of regaling with a worthy tale what i'm thinking about is she needs to convince the heroes to regale somebody else in the fake court with a oh, worthy tale
0: okay yeah okay
1: like i i feel like that's like a very sort of fae
0: price for something is that like the price that kind of keeps her there you think because no one in the fake court has heard a worthy tale and so that's like why they keep her there if you want to go that angle.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Like she can buy her freedom with a worthy tale, but okay. she has not been able to come up with one.
0: Right. Cuz she's just a dressmaker and it's not anything against her. It's just for whatever reason she just hasn't found the tale. I'm sure she's yeah. lived a very interesting life and all that good stuff, but for whatever reason just nothing that has quite impressed the court, as it were.
1: Yeah, and I think that there's an element of like some self-doubt in there. She is a super good dressmaker and Mm. like has that really great skill set, but she Mm. doesn't have the like storyteller. And like, you know, she can tell a story just like anybody else. Sure. But she thinks that she needs to make tell a tale as good as the dresses she makes. Oh. She's not a person who has dedicated her whole life to telling tales. And so she's got some imposter
0: syndrome, mm. I guess. Okay. I was going to ask because as you were explaining it, you know, what the element of self-doubt, if the player characters wanted to go at it at a different angle, Like, what if they talked her up and convinced her, like, well, you're a really good dressmaker. Why don't you tell the story about, like, the first dress you made and, like, how that made you feel and, you know, all that sort of kind of stuff. And, you know, what if that was enough to impress, you know, the court, as it were? Do you think, like, maybe that could be a different angle? Because depending on the skill level of your party, uh, you know, when you're deploying this, you know, they could be low level and maybe they themselves haven't had a worthy tail yet, or they don't have a bard or any of these other types of things. Like, do you think that could be another angle, perhaps?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I always like problems that have multiple ways of solving them in D&D, or like a lot of times when I'm DMing, I don't even know what is the way to solve this problem. I'm just like here. Here's a problem you guys deal with it so however they would like to approach that i think i think getting her to have the confidence would certainly be a a valid way to get that worthy tale out there
0: all right so naturally there's going to be some outcomes from undertaking this side quest so what is going to be the reward for success whether that means the party intervenes and someone from the party steps in and tells this worthy tale that impresses the fairy court, which gets Moose to be released from her servitude, or the party inspires Moose to be able to have that confidence to tell the worthy tale herself, and that was the riddle that she wasn't quite able to figure out. What's going to be the reward for the party?
1: Like, my first place I go to is, like, a magic
0: dress of some sort.
1: Maybe has some, like, fey magic built into it. And that makes me think of sort of like enchantments or like some weird time distortion, like you never age while you're wearing the dress, maybe.
0: Ooh. Something like that. Okay. And so one person in the party would get this dress or conceivably she's going to make up a whole bunch of dresses, depending on how many party members there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So everyone in the party gets a magic dress. Yeah. So like Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, cool. If you just did like a, a twirl and said a magic word and then the dress appeared or something like that. Mm-hmm. All right, but then of course there has to be a consequence if there's failure or maybe even refusing to undertake the side quest. So what's going to happen to the party should they fail or don't even take the side quest, the call to adventure?
1: I feel like failure there has has to be worse like they have to get in trouble with the fairy court if they fail and maybe they like are bound in servitude or like maybe they're exiled from the fairy lands or something like that yeah I mean I I feel like they maybe have to like perform a mission for the fairy queen or they're trapped in I think that's maybe it, like they are, they must become servants and they're trapped in like the queen's domain until they can do some other side quest to get themselves out of it.
0: Okay. And then, you know, just imagining players being as chaotic as they are, you know, that might inspire them to try some sort of jailbreak scenario or something like that unless they're like okay well we will do the bidding of the fairy queen or the archfey or whoever it is that has us temporarily inconvenienced and imprisoned until we do what they want
1: yeah yeah man this is like kind of making me want to write a whole adventure right now like court of the fairy queen sort of thing
0: Well, that's the magic of this podcast is all it takes is one little seed to germinate uh, a whole crop of ideas. Mm -hmm. So what are the goals and motivations of Moose?
1: I think a lot of it ties into some of the stuff we've talked about before. Like her most immediate thing is just to make fancy dresses to appease her fairy rulers. But then she also is hoping to escape them, looking for the hero's help with that. And then going back to the disease, like the cure is out there in Wild somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, but she can't go find it until she gets out of the court. So she's hoping to be released from service so she can then go deeper into the Wild and discover the cure for this disease that's plaguing her.
0: How do these goals and motivations affect uh, her general personality? I think that the one that
1: people see the most is the dressmaking goals. Uh, I think that is like where she comes off as the perfectionist. Like that's what people see like, oh, this, this one stitch in this dress is, is not exactly how I want it. It's ruined. We have to start completely over from the beginning. And that's what people see. But I think that like the other stuff fits into her internal life in ways that most people don't notice but like if they took the time to get to know her they'd see these deeper longings that she's got
0: and then does she act generally the same across the board to different groups of people you know obviously probably deferential to the fairy court but are there differences or nuances there or is she the same across the board
1: yeah i think that there are differences i mean definitely she has to be differential to the court and like she's learned the courtly manners of a servant in the court which is like basically look pretty and do what you're told and then i think she has a a very different approach to people who are either on her level or subservient to her she probably has like sub seamstresses who she bosses around and is much more authoritative with them and like with player characters like an adventuring party i think that like she would want to get into their good graces because they seem like they might be able to solve problems for her she wouldn't be differential uh like she is to the court but would be not overly friendly but like She'd be trying to win them over.
0: Does Moose have a particular accent or language that she speaks with? Are there any idiosyncrasies in how she acts or speaks?
1: Yeah, I think she is pretty good at code switching. So she, like, has learned the Sylvan language. She's been in Feywild long enough to learn that. But she still remembers her her native common or we'll say common and so is able to switch into that when dealing with heroes and like i think she might have an accent that's like 200 years out of date or whatever oh okay you know because she's been gone for 200 years so like it's really hard to place because mm-hmm. you know there's no recording or anything like that sure but Like if someone was like super big in the history, they might be able to decode just from her
0: accent that she's,
1: she's not from this time.
0: Yeah. Be like someone speaking Shakespearean English here in our modern era. Be like, you're, you're not from around (laughs) here. Are you? Yeah. Whatever dost thou mean? Yeah. But she, she's also
1: like with it enough to be like, I know I'm not supposed to talk Shakespearean English, but it's just so ingrained into, into me Mm -hmm. that I, there's things that I slip up on.
0: Sure. Yeah. I'm supposing probably the occasional visitor that comes to the fairy court that maybe does speak a more quote, modern common tongue. She's able to listen in and be like, oh, that's, so that's how they say it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. What impact has Moose made on the world? how has she shaped the local area or maybe even perhaps to ask it another way, what impact has she made on the world she's left behind?
1: Yeah. First thing i thought of is through the dressmaking that she like, you know, without even really trying to sort of sets the fashion for the fairy
0: court. And thereby the fashion trends for the rest of the Feywild.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe somehow that leaks into the mortal realm sometimes. Thinking now about like her absence, like what sort of ripple effect
0: that might have. I don't know. Yeah, especially if we're talking about her common language being several generations removed from how they're speaking it now. Does she even have any family alive that she would know? Does she have any descendants that are like, oh, yeah, there used to be a story about someone in our family that, you know, we called her Moose. Uh, And then, you know, she made dresses and then one day she just ran off with someone and then was never seen of again or something like that. Yeah, I
1: think there there are. And like there were dresses that she made that like are still intact and passed down through the generations or like even like sort of like studied now as like this is this is the high example of. Such and such fashion at the time,
0: and oh, so like even like the royals or the to do in the society that she left behind are like ah yes, you know, so they use her work as like the template. Like so, the other dressmakers back in the mortal realm are like oh yeah, that's clearly the older style, and you know, so we'll refer to those every once in a while when you know someone calls for like a certain kind of ruffle or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think something like that.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so having effects in both worlds, trend-setting or fashion dictating in, in both worlds, it seems. Mm-hmm. Does Moose have any current problems that prevent her from being a bigger player on the stage?
1: Yes, she is being held captive in the fairy court. Politely held captive, they might
0: say. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's like they, they probably wouldn't say. They'd say she's employed in the fairy court mm-hmm. or something like that. She has the honor of serving the Fairy Queen. Yes, and don't you know that is a
0: very, very high honor. You don't ever say no to that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she has this mysterious illness. Maybe she's not letting on, but now that she knows that she's here, and if she's able to be free of her charge, then she's free to go and look for this cure. And that might even be, you know, a potential follow-up side quest as well with this particular character as well. Possibly, I mean... The Feywild is a pretty wildly, chaotically dangerous place, so maybe not the best thing to just send a dressmaker off on her own to unknown perils uh, that that are just lurking around the corner. Yeah,
1: I think that would be a good follow-up side
0: quest. All right. Well, we did it. We made it through NPC creation, and it's only fitting now to throw Moose into what I like to call a random encounter. (laughs) This random encounter is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. Normally it would be the time where I would do the normal ad read for Reaper Miniatures, but at the time of this recording we just got some news from Reaper Miniatures that the CEO and President had passed away. So I just, in this time, want to give honor and respect. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the little thing that Reaper Miniatures put out. In Memoriam, Edward Dalton Pugh, 1958-2022 we are deeply grieved to announce that, after a brief illness, Reaper President and CEO Ed Pugh has passed away. In his life, Ed took on many roles. Son, brother, father, grandfather, partner, and friend. Ed's life work was spreading creativity and joy by producing miniatures and building a strong and enduring community. He always sought to lift those people around him by fostering an environment of learning, kindness, and self-expression. In his passing, Ed leaves, avoid that nobody will ever be able to adequately fill, but we hope to do honor to his memory and his legacy. In his memory, please donate to the animal shelter of your choice. I'm sorry, uh, you know, for the passing of Ed, and I just hope that uh, the Reaper mini family is doing okay, and uh, for this holiday season, just be sure to, uh, you know, tell your friends and family and uh, other loved ones that you love them uh, and that you appreciate them. Uh, you never know how much time you have in this life and uh you know every moment is a gift and so to you ed pew we say cheers and godspeed and rest in peace this is the random encounter so we get to do a little bit of a role play a vignette sort of a scenario where we get to bring moose to life so You've obviously done an excellent job with uh, filling out, fleshing out all the details of Moose, so I think you will do a stellar job of portraying Moose. But the question becomes, who am I going to be in the scene? Am I the ruler of the fairy court talking to Moose? Is it their first meeting back in the mortal realm when this fairy royalty decides to, oh, why don't I bring this dressmaker back to the Feywild with me or is it Moose meeting one of the player character adventurers that I have from the podcast or or what kind of situation are you thinking about portraying yeah
1: meeting the player character seems seems the easiest like you know the the fairy queen meeting the fairy queen is intriguing to me Mm -hmm. but like I, I like keeping things sort of like adventure focused so why don't we go with meeting one of the player characters.
0: We got the five to choose from at this point. So we have Duncan, the recklessly brave, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. Uh, we've got Sonya, the warrior woman who started as a barbarian and then multiclassed to paladin. We have Korak, the lawful, evil, arcane, trickster, roguish dwarf. We have Chrisley, who's the shy herbalist botanist wood elf druid that multiclassed into cleric. And then we've got Orion, who's our newest one that we've made. He is a astral elf wizard illusion magic specialty from the Astral Sea that's found himself, well, at least last we knew in the material plane, but, you know, if you decide to pick him, could find himself in the Feywild.
1: Yeah. Why don't we make it a dress fitting?
0: Oh, okay. So you, you would think that uh, perhaps doing a dress fitting scene would be good. So would it be like the a member of the fairy court, the fairy queen, fairy king? I'm,
1: I'm thinking, just backtracking in terms of NPC, uh, there was, who was the the warrior woman?
0: Oh, Sonya, the warrior. She's a barbarian who then multiclassed into Paladin.
1: Yeah. Maybe, like, she is a guest at the fairy court, or she came to the fairy court, but does not have a good dress. So okay. Moose is doing a fitting for her slash trying to convince her to tell a worthy tale
0: where we last left our hero Sonia, the warrior woman turned paladin. She was walking through some woods and happened upon a pair of interesting mirror, like twins, you might say in uh, Layla and Rebethany. And she had to help sneak into a camp and retrieve some plans to kind of help a rebellion that was uh, fomenting against an oppressive force. And so after successfully helping with that adventure and departing from her new friends, uh, she continued on for a time. And then maybe much like Brigadoon, she was just walking down the path. And all of a sudden there was a natural transition. And she then found herself walking into the Feywild. And this is startling for her because this is, nothing like this has ever happened to her before. And she finds herself outside maybe like a palace or a scene that is something like the emerald city from the wizard of oz or something of that nature and so as she journeys forward into town she's met and welcomed and hailed and you know again this is all throwing her off and it's weird and so she's being drawn in and you know oh you have to meet the court and you have to tell you know oh you have to do all these things and you know so she's like you know, without maybe against her better judgment, like agreeing to it or just kind of being carried and led along. And before she knows it, she ends up before the fairy court, but then someone directs to a servant and, you know, and then is just like, no, 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 this isn't right. This adventurer cannot address us unless she is properly fitted. And then, you know, like clap of the hands and just says, take her off. the dressmaker yes she must be fitted properly before she can address us in court and all the nobles and higher to do's all agree and so she's very confusedly shuffled off and why don't you describe the room in which moose does her dressmaking
1: yeah so i think that uh it is very colorful there is fabric hanging up uh there are lots of Uh, sketches of various dresses that are are posted all over the place and like have various notes and seems kind of cryptic notes that most people can't understand but she's got her system but also also very organized and you know there's like a clear place where there's like a little there's mirrors and a little step stool maybe even so that know this is where one stands to be fitted and sort of she just like ushers sonia over to the fitting station uh what is sonia wearing currently
0: oh because of the barbarian slash paladin background that she has it's kind of like a mixture i imagine of like maybe hide splint or something like that. So it's like a mixture. She's adopted maybe a little more, you know, metallic elements into her armor. But otherwise, she's definitely dressed for fighting and all that stuff. But again, with the also with the imagery of like the religious symbols that she wears also reflects not quite necromantic or like death or anything like that. But like very somber. So maybe goth might be a ways like a goth barbarian in a way, kind of a sort of look, but not totally a hundred percent, but she's like, she's tall, statuesque, muscular, gorgeous, but scar riddled red hair and all this sort of kind of stuff. But she's definitely well armored and uh, ready for a fight. Huge sword on her back. You know, that whole kind of look. Yeah.
1: Um. So she like starts by taking all this in Ah, uh, you you are not from around here, are you? Uh
0: no, I'm not. I was just walking down the road and all of a sudden I found myself in a place that I have never been before. Is this Sonia will roll a I guess an arcana check and she kinda, you know, does like middle of the road and she's like, Is is this what they call the Feywild? I'm not I've never and, you know, she's just kind of sputtering. She's trying to understand, but she just can't quite 100% place it. Oh,
1: yes, yes. This is this is the what is uh, called in the mortal realm. But the mortals call the Feywild. You have wandered into the court of Queen Titania, which uh, is not necessarily the most prudent thing to do, but uh, we, we will make it work. I, I hope you you don't mind, but uh, I see you are not uh, garbed in the the fashion of the court. So we will have to do something about that.
0: And uh, she looks a little apprehensive and, and like, you know, kind of like, a what are you about to do to me sort of a way? Like almost like, you know, she can feel the barbarian bare knuckle brawling sort of thing starting to come into play. And, uh, you know, so she's looking to moose. Uh, just kind of being like, "Well, what are you planning on doing to me?" Sort of a thing.
1: Um, here, let me let me get you some sketches. So she like gets out her sketchbook and like I imagine she's got like, you know, chalks of all different colors or something like that. And she, you know, she starts by just doing a rough outline, but then she like she notices the symbols, uh, the holy symbols mm. on she's wearing and says "Uh, that simple you wear it it looks important tell me about it
0: oh and uh, so then she begins to tell you the tale of how she met axios the revenant priest who taught her about finding undead and reconciling them and the god that axios this revenant undead priest um, you know was charged to do his commission to go and find those undead restless souls to help them find amends and all that and so you know she journeyed with axios and how um she took him back to the tower of Skinknose, the lich beekeeper who over time you know expressed this longing this regret of starting the path to lichdom and uh, ultimately wanted resolution of that and so she was witness to the whole miracle it was of this lich who like gave up his lichdom and sought forgiveness from this priest who then was able to like, you know, reconcile his soul to this God that he serves. And so that, you know, that inspired and touched Sonia, who then became this devotee of the same God um, that Axios serves. And so she became like his protege, his uh, follower to like, you know, study these texts and to kind of carry that mission on as well. Not that she necessarily has the same charge or abilities, or powers that Axios does, um, but she takes it very seriously, and so she definitely tries to take a different approach with the undead to help them reconcile, and, uh, you know, be able to communicate with Axios um, to let him know, like, hey, if I've stumbled on an area where there's a lot of undead, this is an area where you could, your services and help could be needed, and stuff like that. So it's like a whole tale that she tells you on. Um, And I imagine, you know, Moose is just sitting there sketching and she's listening to the tale and like being inspired of like how she wants to do up this dress, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I think she is. She's working on the dress and then like she just halfway through just stops and just just focuses on the story that she's hearing and then when she's done she just, she says, that sounds like a a worthy tale that you have told
0: and she kind of like i guess chuckles to herself and is like huh well yeah i guess when you say it out loud it 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 sort of kind of is um and then she she takes a minute and she goes back and she quick finishes
1: the sketch and like reveals it and it has she's she's incorporated that holy symbol into it and like it's like a very fancy dress but it is also like i imagine the fae have like some kind of weird fashion stuff going on because like i want a dress made of butterfly wings or something that's like a common thing that the Faye ask for stuff like that so it's mm. you know i imagine this like the base of it is like a a black sleek dress but then it sort of sparkles like it's got stars in it and the stars maybe like shift around and then it has that holy symbol motif and like there's something about it that has like an aura of peace to it and it's hard like it's hard to like explain it in mortal terms but you know in the fey terms it's like oh yes this is this is made with Spread from people's dreams or something like that.
0: Oh, wow. So like she has access to materials that are like intangibles or abstract concepts that actually materialize like into patterns or fabrics.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I imagine like Faye fashion being.
0: And uh, yeah, and then I guess Sonia will look at the sketch and, you know, she's actually stunned. She gasps aloud and she's just like, oh wow i have and you see like she actually gets like a little quiet and embarrassed and she's like i've well i would never imagine you know anyone like me would ever would ever be able to wear something as beautiful as that and you know you actually kind of see her like shift a little bit and like get a little small like you know this tall statuesque woman suddenly is like oh well i mean that was you know that's that's what other girls You know we're doing and stuff like that but i i chose my different path and you know i had to fight my way uh to make my way in the world but wow she's just like she's she's stunned, she's breathless she's like uh, i guess she you know imagines you know that the next thing is she's gonna you know moose is gonna want to start you know trying to get some measurements and stuff like that so sonia will actually take off like her sword and some like the other outer garment parts of her armor so that way you know moose is able to get her precise measurements and stuff
1: yeah and i imagine she she says something about like uh she says it much more elegantly than i can think of it but like you know you can always choose to wear a dress uh like you can now anybody can fancy up and anybody can you know go on a holy quest and like your choices from the past do not imprison you or something like that
0: you'll see maybe a little tiny tear come on the side of uh of sonia's face and she smiles at moose and then i suppose begins the montage of them slowly bonding and becoming friends well i mean time passes differently in the Feywild, so then i imagine by the end of it sonia has this killer awesome dress then i suppose
1: yeah and then you know moose will be like it uh ha- it has been so great uh meeting you like you know during the bonding she would have told at least where she came from you know she came from the mortal realm so seldom that i get to see others from the mortal realm but i i have a favor to ask you
0: oh oh yeah sure and you know now now it's kind of getting in opening up as far as like gal pal buddy buddy a little bit maybe she you know sony is maybe not quite that Uh, Not quite that open, but at least maybe starting to, you know, with more time, get that way. And she just kind of is very polite and 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 jovial and happy and kind of like, oh, well, well, sure, of course. Uh, What what favor, what need of you of me?
1: Uh, I I wish to be free of this place, and the price of my freedom is a worthy tale. Uh, You, the tale you told me the first day we met of your. Uh, your struggle and your, your resolution with the lich and, and your, your mentor Axios, uh, all of that um, was, was inspiring, and I think that could be a worthy tale to buy my freedom. If you, would, if you would tell it to Queen Titania, she might agree to release me from her service so that I might
0: chart my own path. And you can see her like really sternly and like giving her all and attention in that moment to Moose and like very solemnly agreeing that she will do this. Like she is seen beyond the simple request. Like she's really trying to see the humanity within Moose and regard that and honor that and respect that. And maybe in such a way from one woman to another, simple understanding and the deeper complex weight underneath it it's as serious as a blood bond or a blood oath covenant or something like that to her in this moment and so she will say yes of course yes i can do this and so then she goes on looking killer with the dress and then uh she will walk into the court and begin the tale to buy the freedom of moose from queen titania (laughs) And scene. All right. So there we go. We made it through the random encounter. So what did you think getting to be Moose? Yeah, that was fun. I like her. Yeah. So if I ever have to have a a Feywild adventure, I, I definitely want to put a Moose and a Queen Titania and all these sorts of other people involved. It almost seemed like my imagining of like an Emerald City, but also mixed with like Hotel California kind of in a way. Yeah. Like oh you can you can check out any time you like but you can never leave kind of a thing.
1: Exactly.
0: But okay yeah so this is the final thoughts segment of the show so we always like to check in with our guests and you know see how they feel how they how they think their time went on the show and you know thoughts and feedback and all that sort of kind of stuff.
1: Yeah I had a blast. Um, this is definitely like my jam is like
0: let's roll
1: on some random tables and figure out what we're going to do with that. And, you know, that's what I love about D D is that like the sort of spontaneous, cooperative storytelling element of it. Yeah, and I think this, this is a fun way to get that creative jam on.
0: Part of the ethos of the show is like, you know, putting the human back into humanity and, and all that good stuff that we do on this podcast. So every, every episode, every recording that I get to do is a, is an adventure. In and of itself, uh, I just had a delight uh, making moose tonight. You know, I was like, oh, a dressmaker. How are we going to make this fun and interesting? But I was spellbound and captivated by the end of it. So I'm just delighted. Right. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, for the very final thing that we like to do on this podcast, I always like to leave the microphone, the soapbox, the stage, the platform, all that good stuff over to the guests. So whatever you've got to plug, where can we find you on the internet? Any other projects or passions or causes or anything like that let us know
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff i've always got projects going on um i mentioned earlier graveyard of the gods which you can pre-order on backer kit at this point Um, i've got a patreon for a series i do called this and that Which is like each one examines a different sort of mundane item, but then gives a spin on stuff you can use in your game. So there's like, there's one on rope, there's one on keys. Uh, The most recent one was about books, and I'm currently working on one about uh, telling time. So clocks, sundials, all those fun things. And then like, I give real world history of those things. And I give like new magic items like magic hourglass and monsters that are themed off of that. So like in the book one, there were some animated books that might bite you. And then there was like an author demon who like writes stuff down in a book. So yeah, you can find that Patreon, Sneak Attack Press. Uh, And then I'm on Twitter at sneak attack press with one s because that's the character limit on twitter for your name i've got a website sneakattackpress.com, that i don't update as often as i should
0: those are those are the big ones i think well mr matthew j hansen it was a pleasure to meet you and thank you so much for reaching out and wanting to be on an episode of this humble podcast i would be delighted to have you come on back and be a guest
1: Great. Thanks. I would love to come back sometime.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bard, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicksandsidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Psychics and Psychoists is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four. Oh. psychics and psychos.